Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the New York Yankees 4 and Cleveland Guardians 2. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And nobody said this was going to be easy. Nobody said winning a playoff series, toppling an evil empire was going to be easy. And the Guardians have their work cut out for them now. Going to New York, they lose game four of the series. It is tied 2-2, and they are going to play game five tonight in the Bronx. So Terry Francona said in the post-game press conference, if you would have come to me in March and told me that at the end of the season, we'd be going to New York to play game five to decide who goes to the ALCS, sign me up for that. And yeah, I, I know these these playoff series are an emotional roller coaster. But remember the fact that you are where there are only five teams left out of 30. There's only five teams left that still get to play baseball. So you are in pretty elite company. So appreciate that. And then know the work it's going to take to stay one of the four teams left playing baseball. So, yeah, we got our work cut out for us against the New York Yankees, but it's been an amazing series. It has. We lose this one. Frankly, if you want an amazing series, you're going to have to lose some games. That's just the way it goes. Uh, you know, if you want the games to be tight, you want the tension to be there, uh, you're going to lose some games, and it makes it exciting. It pushes it to a deciding game five. Um, so this one does not go the Guardians' way. Uh, once again, we are recording this, getting close to midnight here in Cleveland. Why not? You all seem to really enjoy listening to this. I don't know where you're listening from, but you all seem to really enjoy listening to this uh, throughout the middle of the night. So I don't know if you're from different places around the world or what, but you seem to really like, like the nightly broadcast. So why not? One more time in this playoff series. This is Cleveland Baseball Nightly. And as you can hear, I'm still fighting things with my voice, so let's get into this thing. Let's talk baseball while I still got a voice. Uh, the storyline in this game, the top storyline of Game 4 has to be Garrett Cole. It has to be Yankee starter Garrett Cole, their ace, that you know, one of the top paid pitchers of all time. He performed. He performed weirdly. He performed almost identically to game one. I can't tell you how much of these two games are a parallel of each other. The Yankees win game one, four to one. They win this game, four to two. Uh, in this game, Cole goes seven innings. In game one, he only goes six and a third, but it makes it into the seventh inning. Uh, in this game, he gives up six hits, two runs, one walk, eight strikeouts, and one home run, giving up a solo home run on 110 pitches. In game one, it was only four hits, but again, it was one run, it was one walk and eight strikeouts. That's identical. One solo home run give up, given up on 101 pitches. In this game, in game four, he is hard hit eight times. In game one, you're guessing where this is going, he was hard hit eight times. So very, very similar games from Garrett Cole. The difference in this one, uh, in game one, 
they were really swinging and missing at the uh, knuckle curve. I mean, the, the, the whiff rate on his knuckle curve is pretty insane in game one. It is a 73% whiff rate on the knuckle curve in game one. This one was a little bit different. They weren't whiffing as much. The, the whiff rate on the knuckle curve was only 33%, only four whiffs on 12 swings. So they had a little bit, a, a tiny bit better command of the strike zone, but not really. At the end of the day, uh, they swing 60 times in this one, ultra aggressive against the Yankees pitchers all series. Uh, 18 whiffs, it's a 30% whiff rate. In game one, it was a 37% whiff rate. So they show a little better patience, but what does Cole do to match that? He pounds the strike zone with that fastball. Eight called strikes on the fastball, 17 called strikes total on the day compared to only 11 called strikes in game one. So his CSW number is slightly higher in this one, a 32% as opposed to a 30% in game one. Uh, he was a little more in the zone in this game, and he got them to swing outside the zone a little more in this game. This is something new they've added to Baseball Savant here in the playoffs. And the outside the zone swinging numbers, the Guardians were up to 45% swinging outside of the strike zone in this one. 45% of the pitches that were outside of the strike zone, they swung at. Uh, in game one, that number was only 37%. So showing a little bit more plate discipline in game one, even though they whiffed on the knuckle curve a ton, they were going outside of the strike zone in this one and swinging at stuff. And it shows, uh, you know, on the swinging strikes, if we go over to his illustrator here and we take a look at the, um, at the swinging strikes in this one, there is a lot of stuff uh, all over the place. They're chasing fastballs up. They're swinging at stuff right down the middle of the plate. They're chasing knuckle curves and sliders down. Now, it's not as bad as game one. In game one, almost all of his strikeouts came via sliders and knuckle curves down uh, at the bottom of the strike zone, down below the knees. Uh, the, he has one fastball that was up and in in game one uh, to Jose Ramirez. Everything else is a knuckle curve or a slider at the knees or below. In this game... In game, sorry I'm bouncing back and forth so much. It's just so interesting how these games parallel each other. In this one, he is up more. He is attacking more. He uses that fastball more. He blows away Gabriel Aris with a four-seam fastball in the seventh inning on a 3-2 count. Locks him up with a called strike. That was an interesting at-bat. Uh, blows one by Will Brennan on an 0-2 count. In the sixth inning, just blows away Ahmed Rosario. Didn't even have a chance up there. And then a couple of sliders at the middle of the plate. Uh, gets Ahmed Rosario to expand the strike zone there. Uh, gets Miles Straw looking on a 2-2 count. Paints the outside edge. Yeah, I saw some people complaining about that one on Guardians Twitter. No, that one was a strike. That one, he locked up Miles Straw. Uh, drops a changeup, a surprise changeup on Gabriel Arias at the knees. And then only two pitches down below the knees for strikeouts. It gets Oscar Gonzalez chasing a knuckle curve. and gets Jose Ramirez chasing a slider in the first inning. A bad strikeout with a runner in scoring position with Quan on second base. So, yeah, the at-bat against Gabriel Arias in the seventh inning. Let me see if I can find this matchup because it's really interesting what he does here to him. This pitch mix from uh, Garrett Cole. So he uh, he starts him off, tries to throw him a lot of off-speed stuff to the right-handed batter. Tries to throw him a slider, misses away. Tries to throw him a knuckle curve. He swings over top of it. 
uh, badly, pitched down at his feet, basically, uh, make it a 1-1 count. Throws him another slider down. He lays off it. Now Arias is in a good hitter's count. He's 2-1 right now. Throws him a changeup. Mixes in a changeup. Only threw a few of them on the day. I think six of them on the day. Uh, but he swings through it. It's it's inside off the plate. He has no business swinging at this thing, but he swings through it. So that's four off-speed pitches in a row. All down, below the belt. So now he's got him in a 2-2 count. What does he do? He tries to go high with a fastball. Shows him one up above the shoulders. Lays off it. Now Arias has got to be thinking to himself, okay, that was a show pitch. That was a decoy. Here comes another knuckle curve. Here comes another slider. This is what Garrett Cole does. This is how he strikes people out. Here comes the breaking ball. And then, boom, 98, 97.9, 98-mile-per-hour fastball right, man, on the outer half of the plate, uh, up at the letters, just absolutely locks up Gabriel Arias. So interesting pitch sequencing there from Garrett Cole. Yeah, you think that fastball up at your shoulders is just a show-me pitch to get you to then chase that knuckle curve. No, he goes right back to the fastball and absolutely locks him up. So interesting there. I don't mean to be gushing about the Yankees pitchers, but, I mean, it was the storyline of the game. Cole was very, very good in this one. The Guardians had their chances. They absolutely have their chances. They get the leadoff man on in the first four innings. Juan gets on with a single, steals second base on an Ahmed Rosario strikeout. He can't do anything with it. He strikes out Ramirez and gets Naylor to pop out. A single from Oscar Gonzalez kicks off the uh, second inning. Andres Jimenez hits into a force out, but he's safe at first. But then Arias grounds into the double play. Austin Hedges leads off the third inning with a walk. Okay, that's three innings in a row now. Can we do something with it? Well, we surprisingly do. After a straw lineout, after a Quan force out that puts Quan on first base, Ahmed Rosario shoots a single through the right side. A good approach. Cole was, in game one, he was throwing that fastball more to the arm side of the plate, which would be inside to these right-handed batters. In this game, he was getting more on top of that fastball, throwing it more up in the zone and throwing more to the outside edge of the plate, the glove side of the plate, away from the right-handed hitters. And both Oscar Gonzalez with a single in the second to kick off the second inning, and then Ahmed Rosario here, they shoot that fastball through the right side at 100-plus miles per hour. Uh, Gonzalez's was at 107.5. Ahmed Rosario's was at 105.8 miles per hour exit velocity. So they do the right thing. If someone's throwing you 98-mile-per-hour fastballs on the outer half of the plate, just shoot it the other way. That's what they're asking you to do right there. You're not going to catch up and pull that ball and turn on it. If he makes a mistake inside and you recognize it, sure, then you can turn on it. But if he's pounding the outer half of the plate, shooting it through the right side is the perfect approach. So Ahmed Rosario does it here. Judge has a good arm out there in right field, so Quan has to hold it second base. And then it brings up Jose Ramirez. And once again, Man, the bloops, the bloop hits to left field. He bloops another one down that left field line, uh, you know, where the third baseman in the shift has to break back on it, Donaldson, where the left fielder comes charging in. It's not Eswaldo Cabrera this time. It's, uh, who's out there? Aaron Hicks out there in left field. Once again, the ball drops. Quan is able to come in to score. Uh, it had an expected batting average of 0.90. It had a 56-degree launch angle. 
Uh, yeah, this thing should have never dropped in for a hit, but it does. But Jose Ramirez and Francona said this, like, we give him the green light to be as aggressive as he wants. And yeah, it sucks that here in game four of the playoffs is like the first time all season where it backfires on him. And I don't know what, why he didn't just go for second. But if you're going to go, you got to go, right? We talk about it all the time. If you're going to make that big turn, you got to go. And instead, he tries to scamper back to first base. They throw him out going back to first base. I thought it was a bad move to waste a challenge on this one. I mean, anybody that looks at that replay would know in a second, in a second that he was out. So I don't know what the Guardians front office people were doing. You know, whoever on the coaching staff or the office makes that decision to challenge a play, terrible decision. Wasn't even close. Both their challenges on this game I thought were pretty weak challenges. Uh, you don't you don't have to use them for the sake of using them. You can save them for a, a closer play. So, uh, yeah, he gets thrown out going back, but the run does come in to score. We prove that we can rally. We can score a run off Garrett Cole. And then the thing, my brother texted me immediately, the thing that's going to irk all Guardians fans is the next batter to lead off the fourth inning. I told you four innings in a row the leadoff man gets on. Josh Naylor smokes a home run to center field, 110.3 miles per hour exit velocity, 18-degree launch angle, 405 feet to center field. And look, butterfly effect, you have no idea. If you go back and reset that thing and Jose Ramirez just holds first base and Naylor comes up with runners on the corner or first and second or whatever the situation was, we don't know if he's going to hit that home run. Cole's pitching out of the stretch versus pitching out of the windup. He's, you know, maybe throws a different pitch mix because he's trying to do something different to Naylor. We have no way of knowing, but I understand the immediate reaction. You could have had Naylor up with two guys on to hit this home run. Instead, it's a solo shot to kick off the fourth inning. Now, it's still fun. It got the place rocking. It made it a three to two game. So, right, we were clawing our way back into this thing. And then unfortunately, it just, it would be it. It would be the end of the offense for the Guardians. Um, there's a whole thing about Naylor's celebration going around the bases, and I'm not even going to get into it because he's been doing it all season. Uh, it wasn't a personal attack on Garrett Cole. These announcers don't watch the Guardians. They don't know what our home run trots look like. And he's been doing that go-to-sleep thing all season, so I'm not even going to get into it. I'm not even going to touch it. The point is he hit a monster home run here. And unfortunately, it would be the end of the offense. Garrett Cole really locks in after this. Sets down the next 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 batters in a row before Andres Jimenez finally hits a single off him, uh, but then strikes out Gabriel Arias and Will Brennan with Andres Jimenez stranded at second base. So again, another opportunity to climb back into this thing. It was a 4-2 game at that point. Andres Jimenez gets on can't do anything with it. Quan would get on in the eighth inning via walk, but Ahmed Rosario and Jose Ramirez strike out behind him. Jose Ramirez strikes out bad, strikes out really bad to uh, Yankees at one-time closer, Holmes, uh, who's pitching in the eighth inning here. I understand what he's doing. He's got two lefties that are going to be up in the ninth inning, so he's saving Wandy Peralta to face those lefties, and it worked. He gets Naylor to ground out, and he strikes out Andres Jimenez with a ground out from Oscar Gonzalez in the middle there. So I understand why he pitches his somewhat closer in the eighth inning and goes to Wandy Peralta in the ninth inning. He's playing those lefty-ready matchups. He's been doing it all series with Wandy Peralta. 
saving him to face those lefties in the middle of the lineup for Cleveland. So, yeah, the Guardians offense just cannot get it together against Yankees pitching. We told you. I told you. We told you. I told you when the series started, the Yankees pitching is legit. I know their bullpen has had struggles, but their pitching is legit. They got to this postseason on home runs and pitching. And, you know, we ran into Garrett Cole in a group. He still gives up a home run. I, it's something ridiculous now. It starts in a row where Garrett Cole has given up a home run. But he limits it to a solo home run, which is something that uh, Cal Quantrill on the other side can't do. So Cal Quantrill takes the loss in this one. His first loss in progressive field. Uh, I really thought, like, that win streak, that crazy win streak doesn't mean that he won every game. I mean, that means the team won. They found a way, even if he wasn't in line for the win, they found a way to come back and win those games. And so, yeah, I wanted to see Cal Quantrill pitch at home. And unfortunately, the win streak comes to an end. He only lasts five innings. He gives up. He only gives up four hits, but three earned runs, a walk, three strikeouts, a two-run home run given up on 66 pitches. He's hard at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times. And frankly, he just couldn't stay out of the middle of the plate. Now, it's nice to see that he worked in a few more pitches than he did in game one. In game one, he was getting ridiculous with as much as he was using the fastball and the cutter in game one. Uh, the two-seam sinker he used 45 times, 31 cutters. He only goes to the curve change of four-seam fastball eight times in 84 pitches in game one. In this one, he mixes in 13 change-ups, only throws 16 cutters, 25 two-seamers, nine curveballs. So really... A much deeper pitch mix here. And it worked. It was effective. He got a called strike three on a beautiful curveball to Donaldson. It was effective. The problem was early in the game, it was still sinker cutter, and they were hitting it. They were hitting it. The average exit velocity off his sinker was 92.9. Off his cutter was 99.9 was the average exit velocity off that cutter. Uh, And he was not getting any swing and miss on those pitches. One apiece. That means a 14% whiff rate total for Cal Quantrill, and it's not his game, that's not his game, his game is to induce weak contact while they were averaging a 95.7 mile per hour exit velocity off him, so again, just not playing his game, Um, he was stuck, especially early in this game, he was stuck in the middle of the plate, and they made him pay, they absolutely made him pay, if we go to the results tab on the illustrator here, uh, in the first inning, both singles, Glaber Torres and Rizzo. These are two seam sinkers, middle of the plate, slightly up, like slightly above the belt, you know, kind of below the letters. Real easy pitches to hit line drives on, to hit singles off of. And then uh, later in the game, uh, in the second inning, it would be the cutter. Uh, Donaldson would single off the cutter that's basically middle, middle. And Harrison Bader would hit another home run. Oh my God, this guy, we have got to figure out a way to keep him in the ballpark. Uh, he gets Cal Quantrill again. He got him in game one. This time, it's a cutter, middle, middle. And yeah, turns into a two-run home run. Uh, what did he get him with? Going back to game one, what was the pitch that he ends up hitting a home run on in game one? Uh, it was a two-seam sinker that was a little bit down in a way, uh, but still pretty close to the middle of the plate. So uh, Bader has now gotten Quantrill twice in this series, and 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it would be the deciding factor. The Yankees would go on to add another run uh, in the sixth inning. They would extend that lead, push it out to 4-2. to two. They actually get a little rally going in the sixth inning. They kind of do things our way, where Aaron Judge gets an infield single. Uh, you know, Arias, we were talking about it. I was texting with my one of my buddies, and uh, he was a little upset with Arias' defense. He, he wasn't a fan of Arias' defense. Uh, he thought Naylor, there was a play where it it should have been a short hop, but Arias, instead of stepping forward and making the short hop catch, stepped backwards at first base, which is really bad footwork, and tried to like take the hop at his hip, and it was never going to work. Um, so he's, he texts me, he's like, Naylor would have scooped that. And yeah, he's absolutely right. This one, he makes a great stretch, his foot just comes off the base. They have Judge dead, they nail him. His foot just comes off the base. He stretched a little too far. Then uh, Rizzo follows it up with a bloop double down the left field line. And then Giancarlo Stanton finishes it off with a sack fly in the center, left center field uh, to bring home Aaron Judge. Quan catches it in front of the morning track. And it brings home Aaron Judge to score that insurance run in the sixth inning. So the Yankees offense does it a little bit their way. Does it a little bit our way, frankly. They did. Give them credit where credit's due. They manufactured runs in the first and sixth inning and then hit a two-run home run in the middle. So it definitely was not Cal Quantrill's night. He eventually gets away from the middle of the plate and does settle down after giving up that home run to uh, Harrison Bader. Uh, would retire the next one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, uh, nine batters uh, before Trevino finally reaches on a fielding error in the fifth inning. So he would settle down after that home run and give, I I texted this out, I tweeted this out. I was like, look, Cal Quantrill has given up three runs here, but it's really important. We really need him to settle down and, uh, and manage this game and give our boys a chance to come back. And he did. He did. He absolutely did. Uh, Gave them a chance to scratch across a few runs, make it a close game. They got it to a 3-2 game. And then they get that insurance run in the sixth inning. So uh, Francona made it pretty clear that he was not going to waste one of his top relief arms on a losing effort. If they had tied this game, it would have been a much different situation. But as long as they weren't tying this game, it was definitely the uh, the weaker half of the... I can't even say the weaker half of the bullpen. They still pitch pretty good. Eli Morgan gives up that run in the sixth inning. Uh, facing the top of their lineup. It's tough sledding for Eli Morgan. He did strike out too. Uh, his changeup, uh, I believe he got that strikeout. Going back to the illustrator here, uh, let me see those strikeouts again. I believe he got that strikeout via the changeup. Um, going back to pitch types, yes. Uh, he got Oswaldo Cabrera swinging over a changeup uh, to end the sixth inning. So that was a nice pitch. But unfortunately, it came a little bit too late. He also got Donaldson on a slider at the top of the zone, uh, swinging through that. So uh, Eli Morgan gives up the run in the sixth inning. He then turns to Cody Morris and Zach Plesak. He's just not with a 4-2 deficit, with another turnaround travel and turnaround play in 24 hours. He just he decided, look, I'm not going to waste Stefan. If my offense can't get me back into this game, I'm not going to put Stefan Karinczak Henches and Classe out there. I need those guys for a game five. He's playing the full series here, so we'll see if it pays off. It's a calculated risk 
by him. And, he, and Eli Morgan ends up giving a run here. Morris was very good in relief. So was Plesak. Um, who knows if that's a role Plesak finds himself in in the future. Like, is that is that legitimately where Plesak's career is heading uh, to a relief role? He looked very good doing it on 11 pitches, strikes out two hitters as a nice clean inning, clean ninth inning. So uh, Cody Morris gives him two innings, three strikeouts, no hits, no base runners. So good job by Cody Morris. So he played the gamble here, and he's gambling on tomorrow. He's gambling on game five, and he's going to unleash. Uh, Savali is getting the start, and then he is going to unleash uh, Henches and Stefan and Karinczak and Klasse. I, I don't see, unless this thing is just a route, which, hey, I, I hope it's not. I hope this is, a, I, may, I hope it's a route our direction. Unless this thing is a route, there is no way that Francona is going into the offseason without putting the ball in the hands of his best relief pitchers one more time. So, we've got a fight. And it's going to be an interesting matchup. It's going to be Savali going against Talion, uh, the right-hander for the Yankees, who's had a pretty good season, frankly. Uh, 14-5 and with a 3.91 ERA. I was looking him up a little bit here. And you're going to see a lot of pitches from Talion. He throws the four-seam fastball, the slider, the curve, the sinker, the cutter, the change. He throws all these pitches. Um, it's mostly you're going to see fastball, slider, curve, but he's going to mix in those other types of fastballs along the way. And the pitch to look out for is the curveball. It only has a 168 batting average against with a 181 expected batting average, so a pretty true batting average against. It's got a 32% whiff rate a 22.8% put-away rate, his highest in both those categories, and it's got a run value on Baseball Savant of minus 8, which means um, it's a very, very good pitch. You want your run values on your pitches to be below 0. That means it's an effective pitch. Uh, Run value is a slightly difficult uh, stat to calculate. Uh, It has to do with leverage situations and things like that, but uh, let's just say the curveball is a very effective pitch for him. So keep your eye on that tomorrow. I don't know how long Talion's going to last. Uh, they said on the broadcast that Nestor Cortez might be available for available for a few innings, but Shane Bieber is not. Francona made it very clear. Bieber is a young man who has already dealt with an arm injury in his career, and he is not going to jeopardize his future for this game five. He's got other arms in the bullpen. You're not going to see Shane Bieber take the mound in game five. He told them, you focus on the ALCS game one. And if we make it there, the ball's in your hands and you'll be prepared. So that's what you're going to get tomorrow. You're going to get Savali going as long as he can go. And Savali's no joke. Savali at one time, remember when Bieber was hurt and everybody was hurt? Savali was our kind of the ace of our staff for a little bit in 2021. And He's had his moments in this season, but just dealt with so many injuries that you've kind of forgotten about him. Savali could be very good. He also has a wicked curveball. So I don't think it's going to be like, of course, Costas. They have no idea what they're talking about. He's like, yo, I expect him to go one time through the lineup and then the bullpen to show up. It's going to be a bullpen day. No, Savali's a starter. Savali is a legit major league starter. And, uh, he could go deep into a game, but I, I still think you're going to see Stefan Karinczak and Klasse touch the ball, especially Klasse. The season will not end, again, unless it's a blowout. The season will not end without Klasse touching that ball. So uh, it's going to be really, really interesting 
to see how Francona uses all those arms in his bullpen, how he deploys all his weapons, how long Savali runs for. Listen, morning people, you have been fantastic. You have stuck with me all season, a lot of you. Some of you have come in new and joined the show in the last few weeks for this playoff run, and I appreciate you coming and finding the show. But I just, I, I know you probably want me to be angry and stomp my feet. I'm just, I'm not that kind of fan. I just, this game is designed that you win a lot and you lose a lot. That's how this game is designed. There's a reason they set these things for five-game series and seven-game series. They don't expect it to be over in three games. They expect it to be difficult. And so I do have a little bit of thick skin when it comes to losing. Yeah, it wasn't our night. So you know what you do? You hit the showers. You go home. You get a good night's sleep. You come back the next day, and you go to work. And does anything in this team's mentality make you think that they're not capable of that? Do you think Jose Ramirez isn't going to show up to the ballpark ready to work? That Quan's going to show up ready to work the count tomorrow? That a Savali is going to be able, you know, show up ready to finally get the ball into his hand after, you know, how many, after six playoff games of sitting there watching everybody else pitch? You think Savali's ready to have that ball in his hand? So these guys are going to show up to work and we are going to be there to support him because that's what we do as baseball fans. We survive through these losses to come back the next day and fight again. So I am ready. I'm ready to do this again. Let's go, morning people. Wrapping up the show, we always do MVP on the day. And uh, for this game, it's a man, it's a little bit tough. Nobody even has a multi-hit game here. So I, I got to go with Josh Naylor as MVP on the day. His home run was a moment. I mean, that crowd was electric. It was a moment. It made it a 3-2 game. It gave you hope. It gave you belief uh, that there was still fight left in this team. And unfortunately, it would kind of be the end of our offensive performance. So, uh, Naylor, for a big moment, for a crazy home run trot, but a big moment, Naylor's taking home MVP on the day. I know it's a small honor on a tough night, but someone's got to take it home. Someone had to step up, and he, at least he did in that moment, right? He took Garrett Cole deep in that moment. So, all right, let's do it. Let's get ready for tomorrow. Let's get ready for a game five. I don't know. What do you, what do you got? You got to, I'm sure there's something. It's a Monday night. It's a seven o'clock start, East Coast time. So, I'm sure there's something you got to work around now. Uh, you were hoping the game was going to wrap up on Sunday. Well, life doesn't work out that way. So, do what you got to do, whether you're listening to the game on the radio as you're driving home from work or doing whatever you got to do. Let's get behind our guardians. Let's support them. And then we'll come back here Tuesday morning and we're going to have a conversation about it either way. Uh, so I really believe in these guys. I believe that these guys have magic in them to go out there and to take down the Yankees. Look, everybody in the world is going to be against our Guardians. It's us. It's Cleveland against the world. It always has been. It always will be. And uh, nothing changes here in Game 5. The intensity only builds. So I'm looking forward to it. Game Five's elimination games, man, it's going to be exciting. It is going to be exciting. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Nightly. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. I really do want to hear what you think. I want to make this a show that's accessible to everybody who listens to it. So hit me up at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. 
shoot me off a quick email. Let me know your thoughts going into game five. Or if you want to wait till game five's over, shoot me off an email. Then win or lose, we're here together as a community of fans. And uh, I'll discuss your emails. We'll talk about them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you want to go that route and you want to leave a voicemail for the show, go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings. It's really easy. Leave a voicemail for the show and we'll play it back on the air. Respond to your thoughts and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. Morning, people. You have been fantastic all season. Let's ride one more time. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Nightly. Baseball Nightly.